So, I think that's uh, we've got a billion questions. Enough of bounding round. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, will go sh- into some questions now from our members um, because. Although it is an individual approach that I believe in and that you believe in, um, I imagine there are some general themes that people can potentially learn from. 100%. That's what I mean. So, like, I say you can... This is why I believe in behaviours and action steps over plans. Yeah. Because why would I give everyone a plan if they were individual? You know, individual meal plans aren't individual. They might change the quantity of rice on your plate, but there's nothing individual about that. Whereas an action step or a behaviour can be generalized but also individualized because mindful eating or sleep or all these other things will look different for that person but having a sleep routine is a generalized habit yeah the actual action steps that lead into that routine can be individualized for that person yeah and I, sorry I, I keep jumping in even though we should All be good. going to the question no, 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 um i actually tried to do this a while ago as like the owner of the gym i could see that i could really help my members but just some really simple nutritional advice but I realized that saying like do this or do that was wrong. So I tried to do this like strategy based um, nutrition course where I looked at, um, started off with your environment. Oh, so right, I was yeah. like, let's make your environment better suited for you. You know, mm-hmm. if you need to buy the Tupperware to prep, buy the Tupperware. If you need to not have a chocolate tin, get rid of the chocolate tin, whatever. Let's do environment first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then uh, I was like, right, now let's look at drinks let's just focus in on drinks like let's not go mental and buy sugary drinks and things you know whatever yeah yeah, and i basically tried to like then we would move to food and so on and so forth and i tried to build habits it was and i don't know if you this you see this happen quite a lot as well it was really successful for a few and not Mm. so successful for others um it was it was such a strange thing like some people it stuck with some people it didn't um but that was where i stepped back and was like yeah maybe I, this isn't my bag and i don't really know enough about the subject to help people here i think you start started really well there max the yeah. thing is is that so the thing that i had to let go of when i started doing group work is the need to get success with everyone yeah because it's never gonna happen yeah and even i you know i've talked about this a lot in that i've i've had loads of clients who haven't had results but then what i've done is i've thought okay why is that mm. what have i done wrong because in every consultation, it takes two people to tango. Correct. And so the client is going to take a lot from you. Yeah. And I realized that as a younger fitness coach, I was very prescriptive in terms of, right, follow these macros. Mm. Or, okay, here's your meal plan. All right, we'll just do this habit. And I was always trying to fix the problem. And this is a great uh, tool for conversations in general, FYI, in that when people come to you for advice, they don't want advice. Mm. They don't want you to fix the problem. And actually, if you rush in and fix the problem before you listen, yeah. they won't They won't think you've helped them. Yeah. And the more that you say to someone, well, why don't you just do this? The more resistance you'll get, mm. the, the more reason they'll, and this is called sustain talk versus change talk, the more they'll give you sustain talk, the more they'll say why they can't do it, what's stopping them from doing it. Whereas if you, instead there's a, it's a motivational interviewing technique known as ORS, which is open-ended questions, affirmations, reflections, and summaries. If you ask them open-ended questions about their situation, so that you listen and you understand and you show that you're listening by affirming and reflecting what they say and then summarizing what they say in a neat little bow, they're then able to go, yes, exactly. And then you can say, okay, well, if you were to change that, what would that look like? Yeah, get the and answers this is why within. one-to-one yeah. nutrition works really well. And this yeah. is why my, my, my process is very consultation heavy because this, this takes chat. It's not an email-based thing. Yeah. But in a group situation, you can't do that. You have to generalize. And what I do with group is that rather than maybe focusing on avoid-based goals, get rid of this, 
don't do that don't do that we focus on approach-based goals so it's like do this do that try this mm. and it's very much a case of okay this is so this freedoms rather than restrictions yeah. and it's also autonomy it still respects autonomy mm. because it's a case of right this is the, the habit we're following for two weeks but here are some action steps that you can go towards following this habit mm. try some out and see which stick for you as opposed to make sure you definitely 100% do this yeah and it's still giving them the freedom of a human being to make mistakes because we will and when you make mistakes with nutrition and fitness it's not about being on or off or like you did it or you didn't and when you don't you're a failure it's like okay well maybe that was a mistake but why why did that happen what did you learn from it and how could that be avoided in the future if it can be and if it can't be what else can we do because people always say to me i can't do x because i'm too busy or i can't do y because i've got this on i can't diet now because i've got a party in two weeks or i can't do a diet now because i got you know i've got loads on at work and loads of social events so i don't have like a free run it's like you never have a free run in life no obstacles happen you need to plan around them and that's when we get into if then scenarios um turners would be i can't diet now because i love sausages too much mate jack turner we were talking about before we were like he's a he doesn't need to diet he's (laughs) he's hench he's absolutely killing life and again this is what i mean like crossfit for me i look back and i had some borderline disorders around body dysmorphia bulimia and orthorexia definitely because i was so fixated on getting leaner and and smaller and weighing less whereas actually i look back and it's like i didn't need to do any of those things but when you surround yourself in an environment of like shredded bodies Mm. it's hard not to feel inadequate and and you really do have to step back and look at like actually (laughs) i'm doing really well i'm a really healthy person and there's more to life than that and what's best for my body shape and all the rest of it because there are genetically different body shapes as well going back play to your strengths whilst working on your weaknesses look at matt fraser if he didn't try to get smaller he thought i'm just going to get stronger right so on to the questions so we've had a number of questions we took some on instagram and we took some on facebook um thanks for sending in your questions guys really appreciating the um engagement and uh we're going to run through them now with johnny so the first question johnny is from bauer spelt with a zero quite cool 238 which is dave bauer from the gym cool. otherwise known as dangerous dave because he loves a drink so you're not keeping these questions uh, anonymous, oh. are you? no no, no. <laughs> <laughs> there goes the anonymity of any <laughs> he's a booze hound is dave, oh, hi, dave. so um, i love a good beer to be fair let's let's grab one dave asks how much protein is needed to build muscle mass daily cool great question great question protein is the health halo of the 21st century for definite which is why you see it added to bread bagels cereal and and all other sorts of things um while we're on that topic you don't need to eat protein cereal you don't need to eat protein bread you don't need to eat protein bagels and if you ever see something that's like protein vegetables or whatever please just laugh them out of the room um all you need with protein to build muscle effectively we can talk about the research and then we can talk about what's practical if we talked about the body of research there the meta-analysis and systematic review around protein for diets and body composition have analyzed all of the top research papers around protein and have found that somewhere between the mix of 1.6 to 2.2 grams per kilo of body weight of protein is optimal for building muscle tissue and what that means is for ease of maths if i'm a 100 kilo individual anywhere between 160 to 220 grams of protein per day is more or less fine but if you're and that's for optimal muscle building right 
But there have been studies that have shown people gaining muscle on as little as 1.2 to 1.4 grams per kilo, so much, much lower amounts. So there is a range here. And in optimal muscle gain literature, again, it's having a portion of protein in pretty much every meal. And they recommend, you know, four to six times a day, every three to five hours, because of then maximizing uh, a, a system in the body known as uh, proteins, uh, muscle protein synthesis that, and hitting the leucine threshold. So that's the science out of the way. Effectively, if you eat a portion of protein with your main meals, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and have a protein snack somewhere in the day, probably post-workout because that's a sensible time to have it you know 30 to 60 minutes post-workout you're going to be doing fine and the biggest question i then get in is well do i need to have protein at breakfast if you're looking for maximal muscle gain then yes yes you do if you're just trying to be a healthy individual you can just you know have cereal if you really want but protein at breakfast you know you've got eggs you've got yogurt you've got adding protein to porridge that's a really easy way to do it or just having a protein shake and some fruit at breakfast there's a plethora of options that you can use i love that i love the science and then the actual what that looks like because Practicality. like you know you could have stopped the answer at the 1.2 to 1, 2 grams of how useful day, is that to anyone though, exactly unless yeah, you're tracking macros yeah so it's not. good that like you're like you know protein with every meal and then maybe a little snack a day perfect for optimal muscle gain yeah and and that doesn't need to be too uh, expensive or too complicated you know as i just said there if you have a few eggs for breakfast that's your protein you got an afternoon snack you can have a protein shake you can have a protein bar you got lunch have a sandwich <laughs> you know like Sounds even <laughs> even a turkey sandwich at asda has like 25 grams of protein in and you've got balanced carbohydrates there you just don't necessarily need the bag of crisps with it sounds brilliant i like that next question is from Nick Dent, 1990. Didn't realise he was that old. That's the same age as me, mate. <laughs> You're old as well. Um, uh, and he says, can Johnny and Max have a debate about diet fizzy drinks, please? Okay, so I'll give you my perspective and then yeah, you yeah, can yeah. educate me as I to why I'm wrong. Yeah, yeah, sure. So um, I have in the past recommended that people don't drink Coke Zero, um, Diet X, Y, Z, you put whatever it is. I'm going to get sued by Coke Zero now, Anna. No, no, I don't think they'll listen to this, mate. Sorry. <laughs> Probably not. I don't think you're on their radar. Yeah. Um, and uh, my reasoning for this is uh, based on like dopamine and my little bit of research that I've done around dopamine response. So I cannot see how it's beneficial for you to drink like a Diet Coke, get the massive sore in dopamine that you're going to get from that because your body basically thinks it's full sugar coke. And then um, that dopamine response is going to make everything else you eat that's healthy or drink that's healthy seem awful. You know, so let's say I'm just putting arbitrary figures, but let's say you get 100 milligrams of dopamine from a Coke Zero. Mm -hmm. When you drink a glass of water, you're going to get 0 0.0003 mm -hmm. and it's going to make the you never want to go for the water. That's my take on it yeah, yeah now i'm ready for you to educate me as to why i'm wrong <laughs> okay um so based on what i've been taught and then researched myself in terms of a dopamine response and rate i've not ever read it being actually measured okay 
in terms of that that being there. I can totally understand the premise around a dopamine hit being there. And I think particularly because there was an interesting paper that was all around like the addiction factor of like Coke and the fact that that's why they use caffeine in the flavoring. Mm. And, you know, Pepsi Max and Coke Zero, Coca-Cola, all the cola flavored drinks, even Dr. Pepper, part of the flavoring is caffeine. And so if you have a can, like a 330 mil can of Pepsi, that's 40 megs of uh, caffeine. Mm. And if you think that your standard single espresso is like 90, mm. it's pretty high. Yeah, it's decent. And, and the, this is the thing, right, is that I found myself drinking a couple of cans of Pepsi Max a day and then realizing, mm, is this to get me through the afternoon? And it was. It was because mm. I was knackered. Yeah. And I actually found myself sleeping worse because caffeine stacks through the yes. day. Yeah. There's a half-life to caffeine of four to six hours. And what that means is four to six hours after you've had caffeine there's still half of it in your system. Mm. So think about the amount of coffees you might shot a day. Think about having a knocko or a, an energy drink in an evening CrossFit class. Mm. You are going to be wired. Mm. So I think caffeine is more of a problem problem versus the dopamine per se because of that, that response. In terms of a diet drink and uh, any sort of negative connotations of artificial sweeteners, there's a lot of argument sake around it. But the meta-analyses that we have and again systematic reviews and meta-analyses are what you want to be looking for whenever you look at research because they take bodies of research yeah. and analyze them mm-hmm. as opposed to association research or rat research because animal research is is pretty pointless for humans any negative connotations with humans have been pretty much found to be zero um and and funnily enough from a hydration status a coke zero is actually more hydrating in a single serving than water but the only difference with that is because of the caffeine, it's actually also a diuretic, which mm. means that too much of it, too much of a good thing, you know, is a bad thing. it will make you urinate more and then actually in turn could dehydrate you further down the line. So I'm all for them personally, but in moderation because, yeah, water is better in the long term. And you could potentially be relying on that caffeine to get you through the day. And as you said, if you're choosing that over water all the time, you could then be actually urinating more, technically dehydrating yourself, and also over relying on caffeine, which could affect your sleep. Mega. So that's quite a nice one because we talked about caffeine to go into the several questions or few questions that we've had on supplements. Oh, cool, yeah. uh, We've had one from Matt Jacks, one from James Wilkinson, uh, and one from where's the Facebook one? One from oh, Ben Westerby was protein as well, so we've answered that. Great. So um, the question here is: uh, which supplements, which are good, which do we avoid? Um, do pre-workouts work, and should I be using creatine? Similar question from Wilkes. Supplements, yay or nay? Real simple. Let's go. Supplements. Okay, cool. So when we talk about supplements, we need to remember that supplements are like the cherry on top. They're the icing of the cake. And your adherence to your nutrition, your overall nutrients in terms of overall calories and your overall sort of macronutrients, those kind of things, they come front and center way before anything else. And meal timing and supplements make up like 1% to 2% of your uh progress in this world right so relying on supplements before you have a good night kip and before you have a protein in each meal and plenty of fruit and veg within a week and you're eating sort of enough nutrients is pretty pointless futile futile and uh but supplement companies obviously make their money from making outlandish claims the only difference in that is that two supplements that you definitely 100 percent will benefit from are creatine and caffeine 
so creatine monohydrate making sure it's monohydrate not the other kind of stuff like creatine alkaline or, or what are, what the other things are i have no idea but taking a three to five gram dose of creatine monohydrate every day has been beneficial for muscle growth performance and even cognitive function as you age so actually it's getting recommended now that people in the pensioner age take protein supplements yeah and creatine, I, was, I was chatting to matt jacks who asked this question about this yeah. um, and i was reading a study about like force development mm-hmm. so this was measuring the neural impulse from the brain to the muscle group oh, right. for people above 60 yeah, yeah, yeah. taking creatine and yeah. it like doubled. Yeah. So what does, I mean, I know that sounds scientific, but what does that mean? It means if your 60 year old granddad falls over, he can, he can get stop himself. Up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or, you know, or some, or gets knocked or something. He cannot fall and displace his hip. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Well, you know Incredible. how like the, the biggest things within old people are like sarcopenia and osteoporosis and both yeah. those things can be offset with a higher protein diet and creatine monohydrate and actually your muscle protein synthesis goes down as you age so you actually yeah. need more protein. Amazing. So it's like we should be giving our Everyone grandparents whey protein, protein and creatine and Christmas. creatine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's a little hint for you there. But So whey protein is obviously good because that's, uh, I wouldn't call that a supplement. It's made like uh, you know it's made in the same process as cheese and then it's just got some sweeteners and things added to it. it's why whey protein smells absolutely horrific if you leave it in a shaker <laughs> we've all had that problem exactly if you're not getting a lot of sun exposure through the day because you sat inside then i definitely recommend getting a vitamin d blood test to see where you are because you could be in a deficiency and there have been benefits for bone density and, and muscle growth and things like that with vitamin d supplementation and then there's omega-3 fish oils as well and that's one of those things if you're not eating oily fish a couple times a week like salmon and mackerel and that type of thing your overall omega-3 to omega-6 ratio could benefit from supplementing with some omega-3s but that needn't be a large dose or expensive and again that's individualized based on your oily fish intake but on the question specifically about pre-workouts supplementation is very interesting because if you ever see a supplement that says that it has a um it's a certain type of blend they'll call it i can't remember the exact term for it but they'll call it like a a proprietary blend that's the bad boy if they ever say proprietary blend run as fast as you can because they get away basically by putting small doses of certain supplements into a supplement so you know like um different ones that might have effect like creatine and and all that jazz but because they put prior proprietary blend they don't have to specify the amount of that supplement within the serving size so you could be getting less than the efficacious dose effectively and that's the thing is that pre-workouts have a mixture of caffeine beta alanine sometimes l-glutamine and sometimes uh something else that's just escaping me and really the only two that are going to benefit you there are the creatine um sorry and caffeine creatine caffeine and the beta alanine are the three and beta alanine is an interesting one because the more and more research that comes out about beta alanine that's the one that makes you your skin fuzzy Mm. taking beta alanine by itself as a if you're really really serious about improving your lactic performance then beta alanine is is a great one so if you're doing uh, an open workout for example and you're training a lot of anaerobic taking beta alanine for your anaerobic sessions will help you shuttle lactic acid more effectively and effectively prevent muscle burn uh, as quickly so you'll be able to go faster for longer but only for anaerobic sessions it actually has a negative effect interestingly enough for aerobic sessions so you almost need to cycle your beta alanine based on your session and based on your period of training which i find super interesting as a bit of a science geek yeah and that's very much top level but with a pre-workout you don't necessarily need a pre-workout it'll be cheaper for you to neck a double espresso before you work out yeah. and i would be very 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 time sensitive about those things because mm. if you want a good night's sleep 
any caffeine after midday has got to be touched with you know sensitivity effectively yeah. because you could be well with caution yeah really, yeah, yeah that's what i mean because yeah. you could you could be making mucking up your sleep yeah and having a good night's sleep will be better than your before you <laughs> yeah, yeah. than <laughs> necking the pre-workout than getting a good session because you pre-workout yeah okay like that so let, i just want to summarize there uh, or get you to we summarize can, yeah we can do like a general fact sheet i think general members yeah general members creatine Maybe a bit of caffeine if you're training in the morning. Yeah, and then like maybe some fish oil. Okay, if cool. you do, if you don't eat oily fish. Yeah, mega, sweet. Um, next question is from Tamsin Cooper. Who this is a good one. This is why I was looking forward to asking you this one. Carbs! Exclamation mark. Confused face. What's your view? I feel like I read such contradictory information, and you would. Be right, Tamsin. There's a lot of contradictory information when it comes to carbs. Free the carbs. <laughs> yeah. Free the carbs. I mean, th- there isn't actually really a question there. It's what's your view on, on carbohydrates? Carbs. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I love carbs. And I love bread. <laughs> Have you seen that girl? <laughs> I just love bread. I just love bread. <laughs> so do I, man. Yeah. You know, and, and this is it. This is it, right? Like, I've done paleo and Whole30 and all the rest of these things. Like, I've done all the diets that demonize carbs. And have always been very miserable and lethargic on them. And then I've always binged on carbs when I could get the chance. You know, like I was the guy that had the epic cheat days and cheat weekends from, from these sorts of things. Um, your body's primaril, primary source and preferred source of energy is glucose. And so is your brains, right? And if your body doesn't have enough glucose, then it will convert protein and fats to glucose. And But it, it doesn't like doing that. That takes a lot of energy and it's m- and it's much slower process than just Met- metabi- metabolizing the stored glycogen into glucose for energy so i love carbohydrates and i think for crossfit as well y- you are mostly in the anaerobic to aerobic zones depending on your workout and therefore you are primarily using carbohydrate for your energy even in an aerobic session it's going to be some fats and some carbs in t- depending on how metabolically flexible and efficient you are in the energy you use and so the biggest issue I see with with CrossFitters and people in general is under eating carbohydrates, getting more and more tired throughout the week, getting more and more lethargic through their workouts, and then binging on a weekend on all the food they haven't allowed themselves to have. So if you have a more balanced approach, I, I always say to people, look, a balanced plate is like half of your plate being sort of fruits and veggies, a quarter of your plate being carbohydrates, and a quarter of your plate being protein, okay? And actually, you can then individualize that based on your activity level. The more active you are, have more carbohydrates. The less active you are, have maybe fewer carbohydrates based on your hunger, based on your energy, and based on how you feel. And this is, again, why internal cues are so key, because if we don't know how we feel energy-wise day-to-day, how do we know how much food we should have? Mm. Well, based on our plan, based on our macros. Well, what do those macros know about us? They know nothing. They're based on maybe equations of science, which are based on averages and research, which have their limitations. But really, we need to be internalizing how we feel and thereby restricting a food group will always make it the holy grail and will always make you want it more. And if you're restricting carbohydrates, your energy levels will go down. Your workouts will then suck. You know, you'll be less energetic. You'll have less of a muscle growth and performance effect. You'll then have less of an adaptation from that workout. And then you'll just want more carb later on. So you'll just be even less compliant with trying to be good quote unquote mm. yep i love that like sticking to the practical as well you've got you've got somewhere to start there in terms of that plate and then tailoring that to how you feel and the signal of 
feeling lethargic within a workout is potentially should be eating a little bit more carbs that's it and it you know for people who are listening and, and thinking about the macronutrients of protein carbs and fats the way that we were taught um to remember things by is protein to grow carbs to go and then fats for mojo <laughs> because fats are for your hormonal health and things like that so sex steroid hormones are primarily uh, built by fatty acids and that's a big thing as well you know when people lower their fats they feel pretty crappy and that's why you know low fat diets long term don't work yeah. so you, you do want to have a balance but at least then that gives you the idea of what their function is mm. which is why if you're less energetic again sorry less active in a day then you can lower your carbohydrates and keep your protein and fats normal and your carbohydrate becomes your v- variable macronutrient mm. just based on the amount of activity you do each day amount of steps amount of workouts whatever it might be yeah excellent so on to uh, the next one which is from Stephen inglis from our gym big Stephen. um i was going to try and do this in a scottish accent um but my accent's pretty bad so i'll, I'll save everyone please save it <laughs> uh this is a question from Stephen. one we argue about does it matter what time you eat at or are calories the same after 8 p.m. as they are before? Really good question, this one. And yeah. a lot of people have heard a lot of stuff about, like, don't eat meals after a certain time. It'll mm-hmm. just turn to fat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ridiculous things like that. So what would you what would you suggest here? Yeah, I mean, first of all, like, I know that you and I kind of shared a laugh about it, but don't feel embarrassed or ashamed if, if you do have that belief or have yeah. held that belief because i held that belief in the past yeah. you know i was told that living in the kind of bro world of bodybuilding like we believed all sorts of shite and it's like you know so and the amount of stuff that's out there maxing nutrition is so confusing mm-hmm. that now i i take the mix sometimes out of like di- certain fads but i i actually do that less and less with my content now because i don't want to make anyone feel embarrassed or alienated by that because you know <laughs> i i do it because i used to believe it right and 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 so there's nothing wrong with that and and yeah so there's there's not anything magic that happens with your body turning things into fat after a certain time you know the time that you eat okay you know this is why people find me boring is that it's individualized Mm. like you know if you've got a a certain shift no one finds you boring john (laughs) if you've got a certain shift where you're getting up later and eating you know staying up later because that's just the way your your body clock works then potentially eating later is just what you need to do and what will work best for you there is definitely something around like there's there's more and more research coming around chrononutrition in terms of eating through the biological night and how that may not be ideal in terms of the way your body metabolizes energy but the research is still quite low and that's much more applicable to shift workers as opposed to people who go to bed before sort of 11 12 yeah the timing of your food is more impactful in terms of you know your workouts right so ideally you want to be eating two one to two hours before workout and then one to two hours after a workout in order to like fuel and recover as a general framework and i always give the people a general framework of if you're following your biological hunger then it's probably natural for you to be hungry every sort of three to five hours and then it depends on the size of your meal and how close you're going to bed because some people find that they go to bed on a full stomach and they can't sleep very well or they get acid reflux or indigestion and all those things it's like well yeah then you ate too much too close to bed yeah and that's not like a magic thing to fix again it's the internal cues oh man i didn't sleep very well oh yeah but i did have a big indian at 9 30 with the lads and i went to bed at 11 it's like yeah okay so i was digesting a lot of like heavy cream and all the rest of it and i woke up with a pretty bad stomach because it's like mm, okay. Is this no <laughs> no 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 but you know like after cricket sometimes we might have a, an yeah. indian and like have a heavy indian and then you think oh yeah actually okay 
those poppadoms are repeating on me yeah so it's like it's not because of, of the time nece- necessarily it was more the proximity to bed and the and the heaviness of said meal yeah excellent um this question is literally made for you so i've got to ask you it. let's go uh, uh, from maddie oliver if you're trying to mindfully eat i.e stop when full or satisfied and eat when hungry what do what to do if you're going to be working out so you so no you need to eat before yeah yeah but you aren't hungry yeah great question so basically shortening the question you're hungry but well you're not hungry you but you're going to work out and you're going to work fuel out it. and you should have to fuel it yeah yeah, so. yeah yeah well great question Maddie. you know and this this is this is a big one for people as well in that with mindful eating and uh, intuitive eating and things like that it's definitely my jam and then we pair that with like eating skills and guidelines so like skills and guidelines are things that we practice in order to help us get better at these things and one of these guidelines will be if you if you look ahead at your day there may be times when you eat when not biologically hungry because it's going to help you in a certain situation or prevent you from overeating somewhere else so like let's say max that like i i start work at nine and i know that i've got a four hour meeting until one so i'm not going to be able to eat until after one but it's eight o'clock i'm about to leave the house i'm not hungry for breakfast i'm gonna have breakfast because it's gonna stop me snacking like an idiot through my meeting or binging after lunch because i've waited far too long to eat yeah and so with working out you know i just gave the framework there of one to two hours pre-workout but you you could push that depending on the size of that meal Mm. you know like i've worked out three hours after eating because that meal i had was quite large and then so i'm still fueled in that workout because your body has fuel sources that it uses you know if if you're if you're working out your body knows how to metabolize stored fuel into energy don't get me wrong there's something to be said for having quick fuel before a workout like some quick sugar or caffeine because then it will be in the bloodstream and then readily mobilized by the tissues and this is why i was always very good at things like the rainhill trials and stuff because i was there sort of snacking on jelly babies and sweets in between workouts rather than trying to digest a friggin sweet potato with people eating chicken breasts and sweet potatoes yeah yeah. like i was there drinking protein shakes and eating (laughs) sweets and they're like who's this guy and i'm like yeah well i've just come second in the rocket category what (laughs) (laughs) anyway (laughs) always second never a winner flipping rainhill anyway uh so to go back to the question depending on the last time you ate and the intensity of that workout you can then make an adequate choice for your fuel because let's say today for example max you know we've got a 15 minute circuit followed by a 20 minute circuit that 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 response that you're going to get from that workout totally depends on your input and for me personally i was like right that's a 35 minute amrap yeah okay it's you go i go but it's quite you know it's carries it's Mm. cardio it's it's like it's like lighter movements done for higher reps i was like right this is aerobic for me i'm gonna go nice and steady the whole time through not increase pace not decrease pace just nice and steady practice technique that kind of thing and so for that sort of movement being an aerobic session i wouldn't necessarily have needed to eat beforehand because i've got loads of stored energy and that could potentially get my body used to using stored energy for an aerobic session, mm. which would be something called train low. Now we're talking real sort of intense yeah. sports science. I wouldn't need, but if I was coming in for an open workout, I'd be like, I'm going to have some, I'm going to have some fruit or something pre-workout, mm. like even 30 minutes beforehand, maybe a bit of caffeine. Cause I, I, you know, I want my body firing anaerobically and I want to, you know, I want to kick ass. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, I mean, I hope you don't mind me jumping in with, with my advice here, but, I think you, what you've described there is just being mindful of, of, you know, if you're five minutes before a workout and you're absolutely starving, maybe you have an apple or something, yes. you know, light that you can digest. That's maybe it. Maybe be okay with it in your stomach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's you a know, good piece. If you're five minutes before a workout, don't have a massive bowl of oats with peanut butter and jam. No, you, know, you may be sick. Because you'll feel horrible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like if you're an hour out of a workout and you know it's going to be a big long one, 
maybe you have the the porridge and because you, you could know, start slower exactly that's, yeah. yeah that's a really great piece um, max yeah, yeah. I, I always say the proximity toward the workout depends the fuel choice so yeah. like protein and carbohydrates is always a great choice if you're further out from a workout maybe some more fats but it's more solid food choices as you said like oats and, yeah. and jam or, or peanut butter that kind of thing but if it's close to a workout, the more liquid, liquid or fast yeah. digesting it needs to be, like a, a fruit, yeah. serene, uh, mini serene loaves for Everyone me. Loves they them. were killing, <laughs> but they were killers for radio, mate, trust me. Uh, wicked. Okay, uh, we are on to, so we're, we are coming over a bit of time here, so I'm going to shorten your answers down. You've got like, a minute to answer this one it's pretty easy <laughs> it's all good unless i need to spend can i get time. a six pack whilst having a greg's breakfast every day you you did answer this online you said yes yeah you can do you want to elaborate yeah. slightly okay well you, yeah you definitely can you know that there's youtube videos of people that eat in the mackies every day and still dropping fat because the thing is is that it does come down to your overall energy you know if you if you had a greg's every day and then your other meals were like plenty of fruits and vegetables and like, you know, balanced meals as we've just spoken about, you're going to be absolutely reet. And also the choice of Greg's is a big thing. You know, you don't have to have a pasty. You could have a sandwich. Excellent. Nice and short. Final question before we wrap it all up. Um, it's from Amaret, and this is uh, tailored more towards the performance side of, of eating and fueling workouts. So how can you have more calories when you just don't feel hungry? So she's trying to get extra in. You know, what are your tips for that? Liquid. <laughs> I could answer Get it just like that. Because that, this Blend is it. shit up. That's exactly it, right? Yeah, because yeah, th- this is the thing for all hard gainers, people who struggle to put muscle on, is that it is just a, a, a perspective of not eating enough food. And I totally get that in terms of it's uncomfortable to eat past fullness. Mm. And that, then it's a case of liquid nutrition, mm. right? If you're having like extra protein shakes or, I mean, even that, like you can only get so much protein in for muscle mass as I gave that framework of the, the range of protein per kilo and then actually your higher calorie bang for buck is going to be fatty acids and this is where things like peanut butter and like double milk and and things like that like having the the meals that are higher calorie for lower volume of food is going to be an absolute saver yeah as as one of amaret's coaches as well you know this is what i would say to amaret about anything it's like just be patient as well you gotta be patient for muscle um, gain it's a very slow process yeah the the digestion what you know everyone saw matt fraser's youtube day of eating right and he was just packing it in weren't he but doesn't he do like six um, six eight workouts it was a day? insane yeah um but what people i think missed from that is you have to you di- take your digestion and call it a muscle you have to build your digestion to be able to deal with that level of eating yeah well you can't just runners, turn marathon yeah. runners get like severe bowel issues yeah. when they they go to energy gels and stuff too quickly or too yeah. many too soon because yeah you've got to train your digestive system so with amaret you know we know what type of athlete she is she's super determined really you know trying to do everything she can just mm. i'll just say just be patient and your digestion will improve as you tax it a little bit more with maybe liquids to start with and then you eat a little bit more here and there. I'd also question the idea of what makes you think you need more calories. Because then yeah. the thing is, is that if you're if you're performing well and you're seeing good recovery, then what's the rush? Because mm. it's as I said to you, like there's such a rush for our transformations. We yeah. want to try and hack it all, but actually, the, as you said, be patient because the long game is key and muscle growth is horrifically slow. Mm. And if you're feeling great for workouts, then, you know, maybe try the things I've just spoken about there, like, you know, caffeine a bit before workout, maybe taking some creatine monohydrate or some beta alanine. Okay, yeah, now I'm going to have a protein shake after my workout, so I'll have just one extra serving of protein a day. That's already enough of a change Mm. to split test your results. Yeah. Because it's like, you don't need to do big things. You don't need to make big swings. It's like, test, refine, 
repeat. But you need to analyze if it's working or not and mm. what data do you have. Body composition is a really, really shoddy piece of data because the changes are too long. But if week to week you're feeling more energetic in the gym, you're sleeping better, you're feeling stronger, you're recovering quicker, your times are getting faster, your strengths, you know, your your lifts are getting bigger, that's progress. Mm. So why are you messing with it? Good. One for you to think about, Amaret. Um, that's it for all the questions. Um, I've got one question quickly for us to finish on. Um, yeah, I've got specifically time, from I've got me. Time. Let's make this as beneficial as possible. Which is, um, and this is, so we talked a lot about process and outcome in the last po- podcast. Um, people focusing on an outcome too much, yeah, and, and and not enough process causing burnout, or the other way around, focusing on the process too much. But not uh, having an outcome, not having an outcome and causing low motivation. So, yeah. um, action is key here in terms of process, and I think a lot of people get caught either too far on one side with nutrition or too far on the other. So you've got a nice system for this. And my question is, how do people focus on action um, instead of let's call it process instead of outcome um, yeah. when it comes to nutrition? Well, great, yeah, great question. So I'd preface this by saying that motivation is a fickle beast right and there's a lot of uh argument around it but there's a difference between an external motivation and an internal motivation so your external motivation for nutrition let's say is losing x amount of weight or gaining x amount of muscle an internal motivation is i want to do this because it makes me feel better and i enjoy doing it and i'm also doing it for like my health and and other reasons and this is why i get my clients to do something called the five whys where it's like, Johnny, I want to lose weight. All right, why? Because I, I want to be thinner. Okay, why? Because of uh, X, Y, Z. Okay, why is that important? And you ask it five times. Because mm. it usually boils down to, I want to be more confident. Mm. Or I want to feel better within myself. Or I've always you know, I've always felt sluggish or whatever it might be. I, w- I don't want to die when I'm 47. You know, these are internal motivators yeah. that will then push you towards taking action. So once you understand your internal and external motivators, because both are key, and as you said, having an outcome is cool, because it's like, if I want to go to London, I know that I'm going to London in the car. That's my outcome. I'm getting to London. But the process I take is whether I go by car or train or fly, or what, and what route I take, where, you know, wh- how many times I stop for the bathroom. Those are all my processes, which can be drilled down into sort of action steps. And there's a really cool framework called the GSPA framework, which is Goal, Skill, Practice, Action. And it drills down in a little table and I can share the sheet with members if they want to go through it because it's a really cool exercise. So it's like a goal might be building muscle Mm. and the skill for building muscle then is eating enough nutrients, right? And then a practice of that might be then eating protein at every meal. Mm. But that, that practice is where a lot of people stop. Whereas actually the action step is more key. Okay, well, what's the action step for having protein at every meal? It might be going to the shop and making sure I've got enough sources of protein in the house. Mm. It might then be making sure that I prepare that you know have to give myself the time to prepare the protein in advance or i know where i'm getting it from so there are there are really specific action steps that we can drill down into and when you've got an internal motivator for performing a certain activity pairing that then with an action step your goal isn't whether you're motivated enough your goal is whether you do your actions because action comes before motivation we've always been there when it's like you know weather's crap i can't be bothered to get out of bed but actually if you get up and you get to the gym you feel amazing afterwards. You're like, wow, I really didn't want to do that, but I now feel amazing and mm. I, you know, I'm going to have a great day. And it's like, or oh, you're feeling sluggish at your desk 
and you're like man i, I want to go for a walk but i also don't want to go for a walk i really can't be bothered i've got this this report to finish but actually if you took the five ten minutes to go for a short walk you'd come back feeling so much better mm-hmm. and you'd finish your report in half the time yeah so it's like we need to remember that it's okay to not feel motivated because we we won't and motivation does wane at like weeks three six and ten in like standard like weight management programs that's what the research shows us because the kind of like initial hype of doing something new like wanes and that's when you need to clue into your internal motivators think about your outcome and think about the process because as you will have talked about last week you can't control your outcome you can only control your process and that's why i get people not to define their success by the scale or by their outcome but by their actions Mm -hmm. okay well how many times have you gone to the gym or how many times have you eaten slowly this week how many times have you eaten mindfully how many portions of fruit and veg do you have and it's not a i've done it or not it's a how many times have you practiced that skill mm. and then you can look at you can like so i practice my habits now with numbers rather than ticks or crosses yeah it's not a it, tick box it's, a scale. it's not it's not yeah. a binary it's yeah, not yes I or like no that. it's yeah. not fail or it's not fail or succeed mm. you know we're, we're not in the army it's not do or die and and even in the army and the, and the marines they have more compassion than people realize mm. and, and and it's people's lack of self-compassion to change that affects them they're like why can't i do this why am i so lazy why am i not motivated now you're human and, and humans are complex emotional beings with a, a ton of responsibilities. You know, being an adult is hard. We've got a lot of stuff to play on. And if you're trying to do something new, it's as you mentioned about wiring your brain, that's a big cognitive task, right? Think about the time you learned how to drive. You knew how to open the car door and put your seatbelt on because you've been doing it since a kid. But as soon as you learn how to drive, especially in the UK, it's like, right, okay, clutch goes in. Okay, this this goes over here in the first. All right, now I need to find the bite between the clutch and the accelerator. Take the handbrake off. Go right now. I need to use the wheel. It's it's all so clunky. Yeah, that's the compassion you need when you're trying to practice a new skill with your nutrition because that's how awkward that is to your ingrained habits. Mm. Huge, because because a lot of people would would hit that stage of like, oh, it's too hard. I'm struggling, and and think that they're doing something wrong. But through struggles is where you yeah. get success. Yeah. And and too many people I did I made this mistake in my business. You know, you think things aren't working, so you just throw it all out and you start again. Mm. You start with something new. And it's like, nah, like every time you make a mistake, it's a learning opportunity. And it's also what you define as a mistake. Like with with a lot of my clients, as I said, because they've gone through loads of restricted diets, if they if they eat chocolate, they see it as a mistake. Or if they eat like a cookie, they see it as a mistake. And then they might overeat and then it feels like a really big mistake. And it's like, well, okay we're not you know you're not very happy with that because your goals are this and your values are why but let's look at that event why did it happen you know we've got a great sheet called the behavior awareness sheet which allows clients to look at like what happened three hours before that event Mm. one hour before that event during the event after the event because that event is a link in a very long chain and as soon as you can analyze that chain you can start to break the links and, and reprogram your habits and that's when you get into really cool behavioral science rather than like i've you know i've messed up let's throw it out try something new mm. it's like actually okay i've made a small mistake but i'm human that's normal yeah. i'm trying something new and it's hard that's self-compassion it's not letting yourself off the hook it's being like i know i'm going to make a mistake because this is difficult but how can i learn from this mistake and maybe do a different act next time not better next time not perfect next time how can i use this in order to make a little bit of progress and move toward my goals because life albeit short is also a long game i know that sounds really contradictory but what is the rush why are you trying to get shredded in four weeks Mm. like why are you trying to get maximum muscle in four weeks what's the point if you want to be fit and healthy for the longest sake of time play the infinite game 
because what's going to matter is actually you're making small tweaks small tweaks small tweaks and you're feeling better about your actions every day because you're not you're not looking at it as binary anymore it's not success or failure it's just practice some weeks you'll get more practice than others that's okay because some weeks you might have an absolute shed load of work on you know you, you someone might get sick someone you you might get sick mm. you might have really poor sleep you might get married you might move house you might have a kid you might lose your job your dad might die like you know they, we've got all of these variables that we need to take into account that the, the game of life is about practice and compassion and okay we can set ourselves habits and goals but let's not set them too high and let's not set too many because then we're just setting ourselves up for failure and that just that just feels crap love it great finish um deep finish as well there you go that should be like the uh the intro i hope everyone's made it to this stage in the podcast even if um, you've taken several tries at listening to it <laughs> uh thank you so much for coming on mate i've really appreciated it um and i'm sure the members will get loads of benefit out of it um, it's been great getting to know you better and um if the guys want to find you next up nutrition on instagram yeah yeah uh, that that page as well as johnny yeah. landles is my personal page i'm more active on there yeah. either's fine facebook as well just look up johnny landles and i'll link your website into the show notes yeah as well. thank you yeah cheers awesome. thanks for having me on see you later guys